Hey, this is Matt McCool here, one of the lead pastors at Takeover Church, and we are so excited that you are listening to this message today. We hope it encourages you. We hope it blesses you. We hope it challenges you to continue on in this journey of faith of following Jesus. And we want to let you know we also have services every single Sunday at 5 p.m., complete with Takeover Kids and a free cafe. It's a good time. We want to invite you and your friends and your family all on out on Sunday nights at 5 p.m. Thanks again for listening to this message. Hope you have a great day. I don't know who this is for. Uh, we're here at Sacred Church. We care far more about people than we do program. Uh, we have a program that God shows how to do church. Uh, we see it in the Bible, Acts, all that good stuff. There's a reason for how we do things, but uh, we care far more about people than we do program here at Takeover Church. And I just got to tell you tonight. Uh, there's somebody in this room that needs to hear that Jesus cursed the fig tree. Okay? This isn't a message. This is just for you, whoever this individual is. Jesus cursed the fig tree. A perfectly healthy, lively, full-grown, awesome, vibrant fig tree. He cursed it, and it died. And he went on to tell his disciples, when they were amazed by this, that, you know what? If you have faith of a mustard seed, you can throw a mountain into the sea. You can tell it to go. There's somebody in here tonight that needs to know, whatever you're going through, if Jesus can curse a fig tree and by morning it is dead, a fully grown, healthy, natural fig tree, whatever sin or disease or curse or whatever it is that you feel oppressed by, you best believe there is enough in Jesus to take care of your problem too. If he can take care of something healthy and curse it and die, he can sure curse cancer and die. Amen? God, who that's for? Well, that's not the message I came to preach tonight. Tonight we're in series dead or alive week five somebody say week five week five five. but uh this is my first time going over four weeks in a series in my entire 10 years of of, of being a pastor and uh i'm kind of scared because it's new to me i'm like oh i like my little four box good i preached three week series uh but like i was like i like the four i like four weeks i like to turn things over but god really started challenging me um with, with this message series, he has a few more things he wants to tell this church. He wants to tell this church tonight. And so we're going to continue the series. I hope that's all right. But uh, before we do, um, usually we get out of our seats, we high five, we do all that. We're not going to do that tonight. Instead, I'll, I want you to take 30 seconds real quick. And I want you to turn and tell your neighbor, the person around you, whoever it is, if you're not sitting next to somebody, move and find somebody. But would you just would you tell somebody something you're grateful for today? Can we do that? Can you can you turn and tell somebody that you don't know or you're not next to you something that you are grateful for? Let's just take 30 seconds and do that real quick. All right, fantastic. It feels good to tell somebody what you're grateful for, doesn't it? Gratitude ain't got nothing to do with my message tonight, but uh, I really felt during worship that. Let's, uh, you know, instead of saying something stupid that I tell you to repeat, it's funny, and I like to get a reaction like, 
What else I'm going to tell you today for something great for building a little bit of hope and a little bit of courage in somebody else's life, huh? Yes. I love it. We're good at this church, aren't we? Yeah. yeah. Grateful. Grateful. But tonight, yeah, so week five of Dead or Alive, and I didn't mean to rhyme that, but it's that good. Uh, not really. Terrible. Terrible. But week five, Dead or Alive, I'm really excited about this. You know, as Gal was showing me this, he was talking about how we're not an idol church. Like, our name isn't idol church. We're not a people who want to be nothing, believe for nothing, accomplish nothing, or see nothing. We're not that kind of church, right? We are a takeover church. We want to see Jesus take over people's lives, eight Grand Rapids and beyond. That's our mission statement. There ain't nothing idle about seeing Jesus take over somebody's life, amen? So for me to rest in idle mode and just decide that we're going to hit a cushy four-week series, and then we're going to hit something that just plays great to the crowd for summer, and it's like, if you show up or not, that's great. We're just going to be here talking about this thing that doesn't matter. I don't know. That's not the kind of church that we are. We want to see Jesus mad at the people more than their schedule, mad at the people more than their camping, Matter to people more than beach life. And I'm sorry if that's you. I love that. I love summer. We got some things in the work for summer that's going to make you taking advantage of summer that much easier. We have some things to work for that. And it's coming up. I can't wait to tell you about it. But we're never going to be an idol church even in summer because God is still moving, is still active, is still alive in summer. Amen? He's just as good in August as he is in October when it's raining and it's snowing. He's just as good in July. Somebody say, July. July. He's just as good in July as he is when you are four inches deep and it's randomly March 16th and you get snow in Michigan. He's just as good. There's a reason to be in church. There's a reason for the summer. There's a way to take advantage of it and still get it filled up. Amen? So that's what we're going to do. So I'm excited. Week five, Dead or Alive, come on. The title of the message is this. Ready? Who's taking notes tonight? Eight people going to heaven. It's good. Okay. Uh, the title of the message is, I'm kind of nervous about it, The Cost of Resurrection Life. The Cost of Resurrection Life. You know, back in November, we were going, I think it was November, November, October, one or two, we were in a series called Empires. Do you know Empires? Oh, yeah. We were in a series called Empires, and we had a night where it was the Empire of being the victim. And... That was one of the messages that I was so nervous to preach, right? I was like, this is just like, this is hard. This is a hard message to tell people and to tell myself that we have zero right being a victim anymore. That we have taken, uh, allowing people to take advantage of us or hurt us and taking all of these things and we've allowed us to become an empire in our life. What is an empire? I think we describe it as a foothold that the devil gets that we allow to be open and it grows so big that it becomes a cascading, it casts a shadow over our lives. It becomes an empire in the kingdom of God that God told us to establish in our own lives. All of a sudden, we have this monument built to something that was never meant to be there. We're talking about empires. I was, really, I was really nervous about it. And a lot of fruit came from it. And I hope tonight that when I say the cost of resurrection life, I hope there's something inside of you that goes, oh, where's he going with this? But I hope that Adrian and I have built up enough trust with everybody in here through our transparency and holding and telling you our story and our struggles and where we've been. I hope that we have enough real estate with you that you will go with me on this journey. That when I say a title of the message is called the cost of resurrection, I hope that you will go with me. You don't shut off, you don't turn off, you press in. And I hope that you trust us enough to know that God laid this on our heart and something that we all need to hear tonight. Is that okay? Yeah. Fantastic. Okay, so tonight, the cost. Of resurrection. All right. Would you turn to your neighbor? How much would that cost? 
Don't worry about it. I'm just in the midst of it. Okay. So tonight, if you've got your Bibles in here, we've got a Bible in the house. Would you wave it in the air like just in here? we got a Bible, we got a Bible app going at me. Don't worry. Uh, I, was in a, I was in a boys' group chat earlier, and I was looking for a good gift for tonight. And I was like, yeah, I'm so for church, whatever. And uh, our first one was uh, some really dumb thing. It was like, Bible fight, and two people beat the crap out of each other with a Bible. I was like, maybe not what we're going to do. Don't want anybody to get any ideas. But yeah, so Luke 9, 57 through 62. This is where we're coming out of tonight. This is where we're going to camp out. It's in the book of Luke. Again, 9, 57 through 62. If you don't have a Bible tonight, it'll be on the big Bible back here. And uh, it's going to be good. Y'all ready? Fantastic. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air, they have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Verse 16. And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, Go and proclaim the kingdom of God. 61, he says, Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Come on, Jesus. Uh, Y'all mind if we pray? Jesus, I just thank you so much for tonight. And I ask that you would just on track, God. And right now, if there's any distractions, God, you would shut them down, God, and lift them, or the takeaway from the word that you have, and the deposit that you have tonight, God, to place on the inside of your people to I ask that distraction. God, right now, I ask that the meditation of my heart, the words of my lips, be pleasing to you, Father God. And to God, I just thank you right now that your word is a double edged sword, God. I just thank you for what's in you and our heart. You have a word for us tonight. And we all thank you in advance for Jesus, my name, faith of the church said. Amen. Amen. Come on. Wow. So here's Jesus. Verse 9 of Luke. He's been doing ministry for a minute. Cool things are happening. He's Jesus. And this is a piece of scripture that is incredibly uncomfortable. This is a piece of the Bible that is hard to reconcile. This is a piece of scripture that, honestly, as a pastor, we stay clear of this one. What we do? We'll read it and we'll be like, ooh. Maybe that's a maybe that's a scripture that's better for a small group setting. You know what I'm saying? Like, ooh, I'm gonna sit down on a Sunday. I'm gonna save that for the summer when there's less for here, so I don't mess up the pie, you know? That piece of scripture alone. And uh, some of the guys just really think about it, some of the preachers really think about it. This is a pretty for real piece of scripture. This is a piece of scripture that I think is Christians. When we read the Bible, or when we're going through our daily meditations with the Lord, or however you read the Bible, when we're going through it, this is something that we kind of skip past. This is not something we overlook. This is something that we're just like, you know what? That's a bit extreme. You know what? That's a bit overzealous. There's a lot of people who would say, that's that's pretty religious. That's pretty religious. That's that's not the most religious thing you can do. That's a bit overzealous. That's a bit extreme. That's a bit, that's a bit out there. That's a bit wild. People see this as over the top. Would you agree? So here's the book of Luke, and here's Jesus. 
basket boy. He says all of these things to them. If you're in here tonight, you've read this book quickly, or this is your first time here, and you think of, wow, that's pretty hardcore. That must be Jesus on a bad day. He woke up on the wrong side of hay. He was in the wrong manger on the wrong day. Somebody crossed him, and Jesus was feeling like he was going to tear into some people today. Wow. I've got to tell you, that's not the truth. This isn't Jesus on his worst day. This isn't Jesus in a moment of harshness. This isn't a moment where the God of the universe, holy God, holy man, just decided to have a bad hair day. He was feeling off. That's not it. The truth of the matter in this piece of scripture is that it is hard. That it is overstuffed. That it is pretty extreme. That it is wild. I think that's exactly what Jesus wanted. I think it's exactly what Jesus described in his day. And I think he literally what he was saying. I think in this piece of scripture, he was trying to get some people to understand that if you're going to go with me, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to invest and change your life to the God of the universe, if you're going to go with Jesus on this journey, it's going to cost you something. You know, it's funny, not too long ago, I was talking to a young guy. He was like, he got to, he took issues of upbringing. Yeah. Took issues of upbringing. And I love those conversations. You don't really want to have one with me. But I love those conversations because I'm emphatically convinced that Jesus means what he said. I'm emphatically convinced that the Bible is actually inherent in God ordained. I believe everything in here has a purpose, has a place, and has God's best in the human story. I really believe in the Bible. Okay? I'm completely mad, falling out of my tree in love with the Word of God. And so I'm going to have that conversation with you, Grace Field. I love it. But man, this young guy, he was like, I had a problem with what you said on Sunday. And I was like, why? Like, I'm here for it. Like, I'm have that conversation. I'm your pastor. And he was like, I was kind of how I was raised. I was kind of raised in church. And my parents said, they just kind of goes against what I was raised to think. It's okay, if I can be candid tonight, because we're all in together. We're all in together. I think that we're open, that we're honest, we're transparent with our hurts, with our flaws, with our strengths, with our wins. All of you, we go through those things together. So can I continue to be honest with you tonight? A little bit of my sin, a little bit of area that I struggle with. I so badly want to, like, I want to stop this, do this track, and be like, Jesus doesn't care how you were raised. And I did it. They're not here tonight. Okay. I was like, inherently, Jesus didn't come so that we can continue living the same lives with the same religion, with the same idol worship. People were building idols and worshiping all of these other things. And they tried to worship Jesus that way. He said, no, I'm not going to come on a chariot of fire and throw over the government. I'm not going to take Donald Trump's place and run America better than he does. I'm not going to come for these things. I'm going to come on a coal. I'm going to come on a donkey. I'm going to come in a manger. I'm going to come in a virgin. I'm going to do things differently. But we wanted to do things the same. We want him to live and to steward and to preach and to lead us. 
the same way we would lead ourselves, the same way we would love to lead other people, the way we would lead a country or a kingdom. We wanted him to come as a king, and he came as a servant. He was not interested in doing things the same way. And so, friends, how do we do this? When we come into a relationship with Jesus, there's some things about us that has to change. Because if it wasn't us that was changing, then you and I would be the inherent, completely perfect Son of God. And I am bad enough to tell you I am not. There is a limit to how good I am. And I hope I continue to chase after Jesus and that he would continue to redeem me daily. But I have flaws. I am an imperfect person. This church is an imperfect place. And if you are perfect, I suggest that you leave here today. Because you're going to get ruined. It's an imperfect place, but it's about a perfect God. He has a plan, but his plan is going to be different than ours. So here's Jesus, and he just lays it out. Full on. He pulls zero punches in this piece of scripture. He is saying to you and to me, if we're going to follow after him, there are some things about our story, some things about our history, some things about our past, some things about how we were raised. The ways that we see things and view things, how we voted, how we have it, whatever it is, there are some things on the inside of us. It has to change. We're going to follow Jesus. My message tonight isn't to shame anybody because I don't believe it. I think we've said it every single week. We go back to this podcast this week, so I'm not a liar, but I think we've said it every single week. But this message here is better alive. It's about getting the resurrection life of Jesus and actually walking it out. You have the ability to do that. This is not shame on you if you've been doing it, or you've been doing it differently, or you haven't experienced it, or you've not been you know, counting the cost of following Jesus. This is not shame on you, friends. This is shame off you. I believe Jesus is the great liberator. I believe he came for nothing but freedom. There is nothing in Jesus that would throw you back into bondage. There is nothing about Jesus that would see you in chains. You are not a slave to fear or insecurity or worry or doubt or money or women or men or anything tonight. You are no longer a slave, amen? There's nothing in Jesus that will put you back in bondage or choose to condemn you with friends. There are things in Jesus that will change you. And what looks like you're leaning out on something really is opening you up and awakening you to a brand new way of living. I'm emphatically convinced that Jesus is best for your life. Friends, in 2019, it's easy. It's easy to look at churches as something we clock into and clock out in. It's something to look at worship as a moment. I don't know how you can sit in the auditorium. I'm not saying that you were, I'm saying, I don't know how anybody who would choose to follow Jesus can sit in the auditorium like this, hear that sound, those honest words, those moments where we were truly seeking God and not be moved. Not be compelled to change. The Bible says it's the kindness of God that leads men to repentance. I don't know how you can sit in this auditorium and stand here and not be moved to your core at the honest truth that God is so in love with you that he would send his one and only begotten son that he decided to take up him on his offer and he would be saved and he would spend his money with you. I don't know how you can There are some things in our lives that we start to talk to the King, the Lord, and Savior of our lives. Resurrection Sunday. It's not the end all be all for resurrection life. Resurrection life is available to you every single day, but there is a cost for it. Friend, watch this. There is a casualty to getting too comfortable with your life and change. There is a casualty.
comes with things you're comfortable with your walking journey following Jesus. There is a casualty that comes with comfortability. There is a casualty that will happen in your life where you don't know it. But you think Jesus is asking a lot by demanding your life? Sin asks you more because it will make you pay for things now and pay for things later. Casualty of comfortability. I want to look at this first part of the scripture. Is that right with me? He says this in 57 says, As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air, and they have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Man, Jesus gets done feeding 5,000 dudes and their wives and kids. Thousands of people. This miracle happens. And this young guy is just stoked. He's stoked. As you would be, you just saw the Savior of the universe come in and, and separate a boy's lunch and do something radical and crazy. It's amazing. And this young guy, he's like, Lord, pick me, man. Pick me, coach. Put me in. Great. Right? Sit the thing you won't do. Want me to chop block somebody? Walk chop block. I'll fight dirty. Whatever you want to do, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. He's just excited. He's saying, whatever you do, God, I am there. Wherever you go, I will follow. I will follow you, Lord, he said. Jesus looks at him. He's just high. He's just high right now. He is high in the Lord's supply. At that moment, he's not doing something amazing. He is just like, I want to be a part of it. Jesus looks at him and he goes, If you're going to follow me, if you're going to work with me, if you're going to take up arms with me, if you're going to go with this with me, you got to know. Right now, when you meet here, this crowd, you go back with your friends and your family, your kids, you go and tuck them in, warm in their beds, you go back to your comfort, you go back to your 56 inch flat screen TV that your in laws watching for your marriage. You go back to your home and your minivan and you go back to your truck and you go back to your toys and you go back to your security. And you go back to your 401k and you go back to your health insurance and you go back to these things that you have. As you go back there, know that if you're going to follow me, the Son of God, Foxes have four The birds of the air have four Foxes have holes, you have a home, and birds of the air, they have nests. But for me, the Son of God, if you're going to follow me, there is no guarantee tonight that we are going to be in safety. There is no guarantee tonight that people are going to try and come for us because we're changing things, we're doing things differently. There's no guarantee tonight that you will lay down on a comfy pillow, that you will have complete security, that you will be incredibly comfortable, that you will have everything that you need now.
we're going to say everything. Now, knowing where it's going to deal is coming from knowing the security he has of the fortitude in the house that he has built for himself. There's a casualty to comfortability as a Christian. The moment we get comfortable is the moment we're going to die. The moment we get comfortable is the moment that we become idle. The moment that we get comfortable is the moment we become become stagnant. The second we get comfortable, we become like still water in a pond. It will start collecting flies. Maybe that's too hard. Maybe that's too hardcore. Maybe that's too much. But Jesus is trying to wake up a generation 2,000 years ago. He's trying to say the same thing to West Michigan Christianity right now as well. He is saying, friends, if you're going to follow me, it's going to be dangerous. If you're going to follow me, it's going to come with risk of reputation. If you're going to follow me, you're going to have to stand up for some things that people are willing to sit down for. Friends, it's going to cost you something to follow me. I cannot promise you comfortability, but I can promise you that you will arrive. I can't promise you a safe journey, but I can promise you'll make it through. I can't promise you security. But I know that anything that's going to go at you has to pass through my hand. I know that I have you. It's hard for us to understand the point of We have so many luxuries. We have so many things. And we have done to look at church as a luxury. We begin to look at the Word of God as a luxury, a time of worship as a luxury. There are people who meet under streets to this day in countries less fortunate than ours. And worship is all they got to get through the day. The Word of God truly is a light unto their path because they believe it is salvation. There are people far less fortunate than us, that treat the word of God, that treat what Jesus said, that treat his life more importantly than we do. And we're sitting here debating whether we're going to make it to church or not because we're going to church. We're not saying that church is meant to cheat in front of Jesus. It's absolutely not. But I do know that we are better together that Jesus himself is found in the community. He died for this thing. He said the gates of hell will not stand against it. So you and I need to be here to build it. I'm not just preaching that right now because I'm upset that people aren't here. Hear me. It has nothing to do with being upset. I want you to live out the resurrection life that he paid for. I want to live out the resurrection life that he paid for. I want to be comfortable in the uncomfortable. I want to be sure in the insecurity. I want to know that my supply comes from heaven, not from my paycheck, not from my bank account, not from my wife's paycheck. Some of us, myself, I want to be secure in who my Savior is, not where my supply is coming from. Friends, we've been trying to get this through the people. And it's hilarious that it's just a blur. It is just these four verses right here. It's the story of this moment. And we choose to pass by it because it's uncomfortable. It gets even more uncomfortable. He said to, to another guy, it wasn't even the guy that said they were going to follow him. It was just a point for somebody, right? He's just leaving. This guy was like, ah, I'm going to go home. I'm going to go back to my people. This is really cool. I'm excited for Jesus. It's going to be a good day. This is going to be awesome. I'm over Bell and I'm over all these other guys. We've seen here. Away, like, all these things, like he was like, and, and uh, he, he's just like, no, I'm good, why? Jesus goes to him, he goes like this, he goes, hey, follow me. And this guy said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father.
towards a lot of doubt. Because how God will be with the guy who responded. Don't bury my father. This man has experienced extreme loss in his life. His father. We don't know his story. He doesn't elaborate on his father's significance in his life. But if you're in here tonight, whether you have a great relationship with your father or an estranged relationship with your father, it's your father. And I think this is a human moment for this man, something that we would all contemplate, something that we would all struggle with. I would struggle with this. I don't have the best relationship with my own family, truth be told. I love them. They love me. It's a situation, and we're working on it, and we're growing together. And there's healing that's taking place daily on both of our sides. We send the order text. Be my dad. Who we're working on. And if he was to die, I want to bury my dad. Maybe he doesn't follow me. The man who has experienced loss in his life. Who forget to bury their own? And as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. What is this? Is Jesus against family? Is Jesus against fathers and sons, mothers and daughters? Is he against family in this moment? Is this God pitting himself against you and your maternal instincts, your familiar instincts, your family? Is this Jesus saying, your dad's dead, and the God of the universe, us now, will fight. No, it's not. Even Jesus pitting himself for the kingdom of God against you and the family who can hear a real and honest moment. Even Jesus is for that. I believe that God is all alive. Throughout the Old Testament, because when you hear about fathers raising up sons and mothers raising up daughters and people raising up a family, and this is godly, this is what he said to do from the beginning. He was like, go and be fruitful and multiply. The God of the universe is for family. This is why people get crazy. This why we get bad theology. When somebody decided to build a verse off a single verse. I'm like, no, scripture and the scripture is the whole that makes up the character of God. Not a single verse that makes up the character of God. He is all of it or he is none of it, friends. Okay? This is how we get crazy theology. This is how people go nuts. This is weird. Okay? God is for family. In this moment, he's saying to the boy, you, you've got a call of God on your life. This is what Jesus is saying. Don't do it. He's not saying go. Okay, don't go. He's saying, don't do it. The devil can't hear himself. You need to go right now that you have a destiny, that you have a call, that you don't have to go home and just think of a family business because of, that's how things have gone. A father would start something and you would go back and take it over because that's what would happen. You'd go and have the formative years, but when the next person passed on, you were raised on the farm so you know how to run it. Go back and do another. Jesus calling to this young man. And he is saying, you have a call of God in your life. What you experience with me right now, it matters. It means something. Even in the midst of significant loss in your life, you are still called by God. How uncomfortable is that? Even in the midst of significant loss, I'm responsible for being the light and love of Jesus where I am. Don't I get a minute to grieve? Don't I get a minute to weep? Don't I get a minute to go through it? Jesus said, yes, you do. But don't forget who you are. 
You were gods before you were the fathers. You were gods before you were their spouse. You were gods before you were in that relationship. You were gods before you came to this place. You have a call and a destiny on your life. And it does not begin and end with your family. It does not begin and end with your spouse. You have a call. You are here on purpose. And it might be uncomfortable to take Jesus up on it. It might be uncomfortable to answer the call. Because it is a call that comes with a long time. So often people are living their lives on a career trajectory where they come into a divine intervention, a stoplight that was a red, it was green moments ago, but they are a full-on, head-on collision with God randomly in their lives. They find themselves in a church just like this, and they are on the way, career ladder of the company. It's not that career ladders aren't great, they're not godly, it's not that God is going to do it. He does. But when you have that head-on collision with him and say, come follow me, he is saying to you, I have more for you. In this moment, you have something significant on the inside of you, and I want to take it further. I want to make it bigger. I want to do more with you, but it's going to cost you something. There is a cost of resurrection life. Jesus is just trying to get across the people. He's not sugarcoating it. He's saying, I'm not saying I'm against family. I'm saying you are more than where you come from. Good or bad. Perfect house or bad house. Wherever you come from, you are not your people. You are a holy priest. I have more for you. There's not a single thing that people ask me when I go to return tenfold. Luke 38 says, Give it, shall we give it back on you? Press down, shake it in, run over the floor, back on you. Whatever he asks of you, it's going to return to you. Press down, shake it together, run it over, pour back on to you, friends. Do you believe it tonight? Yeah. Who he is. His ways are higher, his ways are greater, his ways are wilder. And it might look confusing to you. We might want to push past the scripture because it's uncomfortable. But that uncomfortable place is the best thing for you. It's the best place for your heart. It's the best place for your marriage. It's the best place for your sympathy. It's the best place for your career. Friends, you and I will never come second when we put God first. Your marriage will never come second when you put God first. Your career will never come second when you put God first. Do you want to know why? Because your love for your spouse should be a direct overflow of God's love for you and your love for Him. You don't run out of love for your marriage when it's out of the overpour of God's love for you. Your career doesn't have to suffer. You might go about some things. It might look different how you operate. All of a sudden you start operating with integrity. You're not climbing as hard in the corporate ladder as you were because you're doing things God's way and not putting people underneath you and talking bad about them, but you're honoring people and just stewarding your time there and you are doing what God has called you to do but being a light in your workplace. Your job will never come second when you put God first. Amen? Your single season? We'll see if you're glad. Yeah. Over the ground. Uh, you're like, yeah. It might cost you something. It might cost you some purity. It might cost you a few dates. You might spend some more money. You might spend a lot of money on some movies. You might find you might spend a lot of time on going on dates and investing in relationships that don't pan out, that don't end up being God's best for your life. But your wallet, your stuff, everything that you're worried about giving will not come second when you begin to put God's first. Man, I know a guy. He's been on like six dates. 
last like three months, and he texts me all night, and he's like, yo, we have another date, it's not gonna work out because uh, she found out that I don't want to have sex. Dude, you dodged your bullet, bro. Good for you. The secret life doesn't come second when he puts God first and he's honoring in that moment what God has put before him 2,000 plus years ago. And he's saying, put me first, all things seek me first, the kingdom of heaven, and watch as I add things onto you. Don't count. What it's costing you, count it as lost. It's okay. You can do without it. God has significantly more for you. You will never come in second when you put God first. Amen? What is this next thing he's saying? He's very worshiping you. You can get up here. This one. Wow. This is pretty brutal. I feel like Jesus was kind of escalating in the story. I feel like he said one thing and one time. Okay, that's pretty familiar. All right. <laughs> then he gets to this next guy, and he's like, whoa, get a great day. Got Jesus. Wow, okay. Uh, not here for that. And then this next moment, I feel like it's just, it's not so much what the guy had going on. It's, it's much more what, what God's demand on his life was. What God's call of God, what God's call on his life was, the greater the call, the greater the cost, my friends. The greater the call, the greater the cost, the greater the uncomfortability. God wants to use somebody in such a significant way. It's going to cost you a lot more than somebody else. It, it, it can compare. That's why I call it, I call it comparison. Comparison. Comparing is sin. Okay? It's really easy to look on somebody else's land and be like, hey, this is a flourishing. And this God's really showing up for everybody. I'm seeing costing them what's costing me. They seem a lot more comfortable than I am. They seem like they're going a little bit better than I am. They seem like their marriage is a little bit better than I am. Their bank house is a little bit better than mine is. Man, they're doing a lot more. Sometimes in your life, when you are seeing as a loss, God is calling you to cross. He is saying, what I am depositing on the inside of you is far more significant than the loss. This is the destiny on the other side of the story. He says this next one again. I wonder if there's somebody in here tonight that needs to hear this talk. I wonder if there's somebody in here tonight I wonder if somebody in here tonight, if you need to hear the voice of Jesus say to you, go and proclaim the kingdom of heaven. I wonder if there's somebody in here tonight that your freedom, that you're so desperately looking for, is your freedom to go out and live God's given call on your life. From Father in heaven to your ears, he is saying, I release you into your call. I release you into your destiny. I release you out the change and those ideas and those mindsets that you have allowed yourself to be prisoner to. Because right here it says 61. Yet another said to him, I will follow you, Lord. But let me say, let me first say, farewell to those of my home. And Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. This young guy says to him, I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me go and say farewell. Here at church, we've been saying, He ain't Lord of all, He ain't Lord at all. And so, with this young man, he says to him, I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me go and say my farewells. How is he Lord in that moment when you're not even allowing him to order your steps? 
You're putting parameters on God's call. Some of us tonight, some of us can feel like, God, I will follow you, but first let me do this. God, I will give you my marriage, but first let me go and hit that booty call one more time. God, I will give you my purity, but first let me have some more fun with this girl. God, I will give you my purity when I get out of college. God, I will give you my call. I will submit my life to you, but first let me get this party out of me. Let me get the years of being high out of me. Let me get the years of substance abuse and emotional abuse. Let me get this out of me first. God, I will give you my pain. But first let me get the pity out of me. Maybe it's our audible thoughts and audible words that you share with Father God. Or maybe it's a posture, maybe it's an attitude, maybe it's a, it's a way of living by how we've said things and how we've done things, how we are to some people and how we are to other people. The mask that we wear, maybe the mask in our life is saying to God, but first, let me go and do this. And Jesus has said, hear the heart of the Father in this. He is saying, no one who answers the call and hangs up and goes back to what he was doing is still serving the kingdom of God. That's a warning. That's a warning. He's not saying that you can't try and do it. He's not saying that it's an automatic no. He's not saying this. He said you in that moment are not fit for what I have for you. If you're going to call me Lord, then you better make me Lord. But if you're going to call me Lord and not make me Lord, you better hang the phone right now. Because I got plans for you. I got places that I'm going to take you. I got people that need to hear your story and my redemptive work in it. There's a victory that's coming to you and your home. There is a generational blessing that is coming to take place with a generational curse in your household. And you better be ready for it. Anybody who puts their hands in the cloud, but looks back at their former life, looks back at what they had, man, I became saved, you know what? Life just got worse. At least then I used to be able to drink my pain away. Now I've got to go to church, I've got to put on a mask. No, no, no. You're in the right church, we have a mask off policy. If you are in a bad place where you would have been in a bottle before, we got some hands and we got some shoulders for you to cry on. We'll work that out. Of we got a safe place of worship. For you to pour out your heart, your heart of your father to pour out your heartache. If you're in here and you feel like I'm following Jesus, and I used to be able to sedate this pain, I used to be able to put this pain in other places, I used to be able to take this pain out and how I deal with the opposite sex, I used to be able to have a place for this pain, but now I've been trapped, I gotta be fit. You are in the right place because there is no faith, there is no mask, there is only love, and there is only grace, and there is only an altar right here that is perfectly made for you and your sorrows and your hurt and your worries. Because our God is bigger than them. Our God is more than them. And He is saying to you and to me tonight, there is a cost to resurrection life. But the cost that He already paid with Jesus Christ is more than enough for it. Because when he was on the cross with Jesus, he said, hey, was When he was on the cross with Jesus, it enables you, it empowers you to live out the God and to call on your life. It empowers you to stay out of the bottle. It empowers you to stay in the Word of God. It empowers you to stay out of solidarity 
but to be in a crew alongside people who will love you. It is a call of God on your life that empowers you to actually live out everything, experience everything that Jesus actually came and died for. He didn't intervene. In human history, so you can show up on a Sunday and feel a little bit better about yourself. He came and he died. He changed how the universe works. He shifts the axis of which this planet spins on in the life that you live. He did that, friends, so that you can experience fullness that only comes from God. You can experience a call and a destiny and a purpose that is so much better than the dream that you have for yourself. So much bigger than the labels that people have put on you. Friends, there is a call on your life tonight. He is telling you you no longer have to look back, but you can put your hands to the plow and that you can march forward when the gates of hell want to stand in your way. You can march forward when your marriage is on the rocks. You can march forward when you're experiencing significant loss in your life. You can put your hands to the plow and you can march forward. Actually, love somebody.